welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and take them with exactly the appropriate amount of seriousness. That's not boring. <laughs> Sometimes it is, when I feel like it. <laughs> I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And today we're talking about The Book of Life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the movie, Jan? The Book of Life is a 2014 movie uh, produced by Real FX Studios and distributed by Fox. It was written and directed by Jorge R. Gutierrez and produced by Guillermo del Toro, among others. It stars the voices of Diego Luna, Zoe Saldana, Channing Tatum, Christina Applegate, Ice Cube, Ron Perlman. It's just got a ton of people in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Paul, why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot? So the plot of this movie has some twists and turns. (laughs) Stick to the basics. (laughs) Stick to the basics. There's a frame narrative. The, the bare bones, if you will. because <laughs> <laughs> there's bones. I get it. I see what you did there. There's a frame narrative where some children arrive at a museum and go to the Mexico exhibit and hear a story about the Day of the Dead. The animation style of the frame narrative is different from the animation style of the rest of the movie. And the tour guide tells them a story using puppets to tell it. Whenever we're in the story that she's telling... All the characters look as if they're carved out of wood and are puppets. Right. Within the frame narrative, the ruler of the land of the remembered, La Muerte, makes a bet with Jibalba, the ruler of the land of the forgotten, because Jibalba wants to switch who it rules which land. There's sort of another layer that almost acts as another frame narrative. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of another layer deeper. And on the next layer, what La Muerte and Jibalba are betting on is three children, two boys and a girl, who the girl is going to marry. So there's two friends, Manolo and Joaquin, who are both in love with Maria. La Muerte bets that Manolo will marry Maria. Jibalba bets that Joaquin will marry Maria. Then, in that third layer, the three grow up and uh, Manolo becomes a bullfighter, although what he really wants to do is play music. Joaquin, aided by a magical medal that Jibalba gives him to cheat, uh, Joaquin becomes a famous hero fighting bandits. Maria gets sent away to Europe for years and years, and when she returns, the two men both try to convince her to fall in love with them. Joaquim is boorish and uh, entitled, and Manolo is doesn't want to kill bulls, and it seems for some reason to people like that's going to mean that she doesn't love him. But of course, that actually means that she extra loves, extra loves him, finds him more attractive because he doesn't want to kill bulls despite being a bullfighter. Jabalba um, tricks Manolo into thinking that Maria is dead. So Manolo dies to follow her into the land of the dead. But it turns out she wasn't dead. So Manolo is dead now for no reason. And because he has died, Jabalba uh, assumes that he's won the debt, the bet that it's impossible for Manolo to marry Maria, and Jibalba takes over the land of the remembered. 
but Manolo and his family traveled down to the land of the Forgotten to convince La Muerte to help them, to convince La Muerte that Jabalba has cheated, and they successfully send Manolo back to Earth as a living person, where he helps to defeat the bandit who's been terrorizing the town, rescues the town, wins the heart of Maria, marries her, and they all live happily ever after, except the ones who are dead. But there's no sense crying over every mistake. <laughs> and then we zoom back out to the frame narrative where it turns out that the museum guide who's been telling the children the story is La Muerte secretly all along. The end. The end. So there are twists and turns and there are things that I missed and it's part of, I mean, it's something I think we will get into as we get into this movie, how twisty the plot is. Mm -hmm. How good is this movie, do you think? I think that it's good. Um, it has a lot of issues, but mm -hmm. like just the plot is very convoluted. Yes. And I fell asleep for part of it, so I had to go back and rewatch part of it. Yeah. Um, but, like, the animation is really interesting. I think that it would have been a lot better to watch on, like, the big movie screen. Yeah, little, I agree. Like, I feel like our little screen did not do it justice. Was it a good movie? Sort of? <laughs> what do you think? I think, kind of like you, it was, you know, pretty good. We've been, we've been watching a lot of Vic movies that I've come out of saying like, man, this was really yeah. good. And the Book of the Dead is not one of, or Book of the Book of Life is not one of those. And even when we talk about the animation, like in concept, the animation is really excellent. In yeah. execution, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. The, it's hard not to compare it, uh, though, the different animation style for the frame narrative it's hard not to compare it to The Little Prince, which mm. was astounding. Yes. And so... Very different. The like, it's... They're wooden puppets. Like, that would have been really great. Imagine if it was stop-motion wooden puppets and how yeah. amazing that would be. Or even if they just, like, m made it a little bit more convincingly computer-animated but looked a little more like wooden puppets. Yeah. How amazing that would be. So, and I agree with you, the plot has... Issues. The plot could have really been streamlined and, and simplified. Yeah. I noticed as we were going into it that it's much like uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. It starts off as like, Guillermo de Toro's The Book of Life! Directed by someone who is not Guillermo de Toro, yeah, who's a exactly. producer. Much like uh, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas! It was his idea, but he didn't direct it or write it or, you know. Yeah, exactly. The the name that they want you to think of when you watch the movie is Guillermo del Toro, who I think, uh, I watched it and I reached to my phone to look up who directed it because I was like, this is directed by Guillermo del Toro? It's not... His caliber. His caliber. Like, it's fun. It's good. But it's not, it's visually interesting, but not as visually interesting as I would expect from Guillermo del Toro. And it turns out, oh, that's because he didn't direct it. Yeah. Um, highlights? There were some real moments of funny and some moments of, of good. I liked, I liked the animation. You say, like, it wasn't as, like, it could have been better and it could have been. But some of the, like, 
really colorful scenes, especially when they mm-hmm. go down to the land of the remembered in the land of the land of the dead. That was really beautifully done. And I feel like that was where a lot of their effort went to. Yeah, I agree with that. It was there. Um, the grandma was just like really funny. I liked her as like a little side character. And the and the the candle guy played by Ice Cube was pretty funny. And like when he like there's the three of them there and he's like, I know the history of everyone. You, you, you and the puddle. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and then the, all the characters are like, Oh, hello puddle. Hello puddle. <laughs> there were, I agree, moments when I really laughed. One recurring joke that I think is not just I enjoyed. I think it's a quality... And joke is way too strong. One mm-hmm. element that was re- quality funny was just the, the pig. Yeah. The pig who goes like... Bleh. <laughs> makes, <laughs> and maybe that's what pigs say in Mexico. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe it's just like a hilarious pig noise. Yeah. Either way... And, like, the chicken who blows bubbles. And, like, there's a lot of little side things that are quite funny. It reminded me, like, remember the moment in The Emperor's New Groove when they zoom out all the way to a monkey eating a bug? And then it's like, look further out than that. And it zooms all the way out to a monkey eating a bug. And then David Spade's like, no, what's with the monkey and the bug? Zoom back in. Mm -hmm. That, I feel like, uh, it's essentially the same joke it zooms right out of the city for a chicken blowing bubbles but they do it better because they have more confidence that you're gonna get it without having a voiceover explain what the joke that you're now watching is yes exactly so i thought the comedy was on point often Mm -hmm. that is definitely a highlight and i thought i mean i say the animation was pretty good but not great but i do like in conception it was really excellent. Mm-hmm. So I have to give the highlight to the conception of the animation, even if yeah. I don't make the execution of it a highlight. Mm-hmm. I thought Ice Cube was great, and I was I thought it yeah. was nice, like, he did a great job, and that was well cast, I mm-hmm. think. He was funny. The role that he played was bizarre and had no place in the movie. Like, the yeah. candle guy? Like, I mean, I liked a lot of his parts, but then, like... As an overall thing, why on earth was he in the movie? He's an aspect of Mexican mythology that was explained by the museum guard at the very beginning. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah. In terms of the structure of the plot, uh, he only complicated things without helping. Yeah, exactly. And he... he, I just felt like if they were going to have three people, they should have had three people all along and not, like, mostly two, and then the random third guy... Comes and goes. Yeah. It was just a bit weird. Agreed. It could have been streamlined. Low lights. The plot was convoluted. Yeah. The, um, you say you like the character design. I hated the character design of her. What's her Maria? Mm-hmm. With like the like stick for a waist and then giant boobs. It was just like, what? Even though she's supposed to be a puppet, it still was off-putting. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. The, I, like I didn't really like the character design. If I said that, I didn't really mean it. I like the visual design, like the yeah the production design, production the way the design. sets and like not specifically the characters, but the fact that they look like puppets and yeah, have joints. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. The um, Joaquin just didn't do it for me. He just never seemed like like as a child it seemed like they were all friends and then suddenly as an adult he's kind of a tool and 
I didn't really like that he was played by Channing Tatum. I don't think he really did the best voice job for this. Although, one of the highlights, humor-wise, is that Joaquin's uh, catchphrase is, Joaquin! <laughs> and he like goes around in battle just shouting Wakeem! Yeah, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I don't like like there are some really good things about Sorry. it. But I just it I didn't love him for that. And yeah, so those are the few low lights that I have. What about you? Yeah, I think um much as I named the animation in conception as a highlight, the weird there are some weird visual choices that I think are lowlights, including the way that the men have a no- all the men who aren't leads have unnaturally bizarre large noses. Yeah. That makes it just hard to look at them. Yeah. But none of the women do. Yeah, you're right. For example. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some weird animation, the weird design choices that I respect and appreciate the kind of boldness of it, but the execution See, of it. That feels like Guillermo del Toro is that he has very bold choices in terms of like what characters look like and like uh, often very monstrous. Yeah, and that's where I felt like this isn't Guillermo del Toro because he would have pulled it off. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he has these so. bold, cho- bold, memorable choices, but they're good choices. Mm. And this is like someone trying to be as bold as Guillermo del Toro, but who doesn't quite have his taste level. Mm. Yeah, you would be right. And maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe they were all designed by Guillermo del Toro and whatever. But yeah. this is my sense of a low light of it. And mm. then, as you said, the plot, it was hard to follow. Yeah. Um, I liked, um, back to highlights... <laughs> <laughs> but just, like, I liked the portrayal of the Day of the Dead and some of the things they mentioned, like, they go down and there's the candles and, like, these are all the candles that are lit for, and when you're remembered and you know that in, uh, like, Catholic cultures, especially in uh, Latino cultures, you light a candle for the people, you light a candle in remembrance of right. people who've died. And so that really was, like, your an explanation of that of why you would do that on earth to light a candle for the dead is to remember them and so their candle stays lit Mm -hmm. that was really cool so how much did you enjoy this movie uh moderately um like i'm not gonna lie i fell asleep during part of it so that kind of tampered my enjoyment it's also a sign of your enjoyment it's also a sign of my enjoyment and it's also a sign of my exhaustion but uh I would say I moderately enjoyed it. (laughs) What about you? I had... I enjoyed it... uh, I had moments of great enjoyment punctuated by moments of boredom where it did not really keep my attention. Yeah. So, like, when... There really were moments that made me laugh and moments I was interested in. I wasn't ever very emotionally invested. And that's a main thing. that's exactly it. I didn't didn't care. care... Yeah, they just could not make me care about these characters. That yeah. was it. Yeah. So, I thought it was visually interesting sometimes. I thought it was funny sometimes. I never thought it was moving or suspenseful. Would you watch it again? Probably not. Me neither. So, let's get into the way too seriously part. But the way, 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 way too, too seriously part of our show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's indeed. Where do you want to start? 
there's lots to talk about. In fact, if we were going to try and cover, we're going to put like a, uh, a disclaimer right now to mm-hmm. say, if we were going to try to cover all the way too seriously that there is in this movie, we would be here for hours. Yeah. So we're going to try and keep this at about half an hour. Yep. Remember that this is supposed to be a half hour show, even though it sometimes is more like 45 minutes or an hour long. So we're just going to pick and choose. Yeah. Where do you want to start? I also want to start with a disclaimer. Go. Which is that I don't have a whole lot of experience with Mexican culture. Or dropping my phone. (laughs) (laughs) That was the sound of me pooping a brick. What? (laughs) You don't. Sorry. I don't have a lot of experience with Mexican culture. Um, I've been there once. I don't have a lot of experience with Latino stereotypes, aside from what I've seen on TV. And so I feel like I can't speak to some of the serious aspects of this. As a Canadian, as a very, you know, mm-hmm. as just a very unaware of those things person. And so feel free to write in and tell us things and, yeah, let us know. If we miss stuff. If we miss stuff. I think, And we're just going to talk about what we know about because that's what we do on this podcast. I think that is an excellent place to start. Not yeah. just a disclaimer, but a place to start because yeah. this is a movie about Mexico. Yeah, very much so. The yeah. producer and director and writer are... Mexican, mm-hmm. and the concept is Mexican, the story is Mexican, some of the actors, but not all. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, what you just said about, as Canadians, we are not, and I don't know, blame the Canadian or just blame us being ignorant, Yeah, we're not as familiar with Mexican culture as uh, we might be, and there are, I think... For good or for good or ill, there are stereotypes that we're unaware of that fly over our heads, so that someone might be a very stereotypical depiction, and we just, oh, that was fine. Um, yeah, totally. And I think that there's an aspect of that that it speaks to representation in culture, because mm-hmm. why do we know so much about the stereotypes about African Americans? We're not American either. Yep. That's also an aspect of American culture, but we feel confident that we understand it because there are depictions of mm-hmm. African-American stereotypes for good or ill. I've seen a lot of, of I'm, I have seen enough racist depictions of African-Americans that I know what they are. Yep. I've seen fewer racist depictions of Mexicans. I know what some of them are. But the reason I've seen fewer is not because there isn't as much racism it's because there isn't as much depiction mm-hmm. at all. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's something I think that's worth really dwelling on on this movie, that whether it's good or bad, whether it's a good representation, a bad representation, an appropriative representation, mm-hmm. it's a representation, and that's something. Yeah. That's... I think from what I did, like a little tiny search online, it seems to be that people were generally pleased with this movie in terms of representation, in terms of representing Mexican culture. Um, that would be what I would expect, given yeah. the people who are making it. Yeah, exactly. And that's a big part of it, I think, is because it was it came out of Mexico. Uh, I quite liked that the at least one of the characters had a very strong Mexican accent. Uh, Manolo? Manolo. Mm-hmm. Like the shoes. 
<laughs> exactly. Manolo has a, very, has a very strong Mexican accent, and he is played by Diego Luna, who also is in Rogue One. I read this story on, uh, I think I saw it on Twitter, but it's on Tumblr as well, about a woman who took her dad to see Rogue One with Diego Luna in it, and her dad has, has the same accent as Diego Luna, and... Uh, when it was over, he was like, did you notice his accent? And he kept asking, like, did this movie make a lot of money? Was this, like, was this really a popular movie? And she was like, yeah, yeah, it is. And his, her dad was, like, really impressed. And that was the, you know, her kind of point was that representation matters and this, like, him having a real, using and having a real Mexican accent matters. And so I felt like... Uh, it was really important that Manolo had that accent, but then, like, no one else did. La Muerte did. La Muerte did. But that was it, yeah. Yeah. And, and some like, of the minor characters. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like some of the minor characters had a more stereotypical, like... Especially the Marinara... Ch- the, the, it was Cheech Marin. It's Cheech Marin. It's just his accent is always feels very, like... That's what his accent actually that's is. That's what his accent actually is. And it, fe- it feels like he's be- he's putting on a role of Speedy Gonzalez or something. It's because when people do a mocking Mexican accent, often Cheech Marin is specifically who they are mocking. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds mocking. Yeah. But anyway, it's not like... It's Marinara band. What is it? Mariachi band. A Maharaji band? Wow. Oh, Paul. This is the most embarrassing podcast we've ever done. Okay. A mariachi band. Mariachi band. Yes. I knew marinara band was wrong. You want to talk a bit about gender and sexuality in this movie? And I feel like we kind of need to talk about them in one breath in this movie. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we talk about them separately. This movie really makes me want to talk about gender and sexuality all in one breath. Yeah. Okay, so like... there's the two guys and they're in love with the one girl as children first Mm -hmm. of all which is like they're all friends together but somehow there has to be this romantic subtext even though they're children and and then there's also there are no other women in this world at all like they make this bet over whether She's going to marry one or the other of them. And it literally never occurs to anyone that there might be a third person. Yeah. When she goes away. A fourth person. Yep. When she gets sent away to Spain Mm -hmm. for like 20 years. Yeah. But she still comes back to her hometown to marry one of those two people. And they, the two, La Muerte and uh, Chivalva are like, well, we'll see when she comes back which one of these two people she will marry. Yeah, exactly. Like, what if one of those guys during that time met someone else, encountered another female person Mm -hmm. who they were interested in? It was, yeah. It was a bit weird. Very weird. And, like, and the choice that she had between the two of them was very, like, she, she almost was, like, I'm my own person. I don't have to choose between either of these. I'm not, not, I don't have to choose. I'm my own person. I'm not a prize. I'm not, you know, she kind of had her own agency, but yet she also still ended up choosing one of them and almost choosing the other one to save the town. It was just very patriarchal. Yeah. And 
She reminds me in some ways of Jasmine from Aladdin. Yeah. Where she's like, I am not a prize to be won. And then proceeds to be the prize to be won yep. for the rest of the movie. Exactly. Like she, the points for trying, mm-hmm. they give her lines of like, you don't get to like, I'm not a prize to be won. I'm not a kind of cook and clean and do your laundry kind of They thing. have a conversation, Joaquim and uh, she have a conversation that's kind of Gaston and Belle. Mm-hmm. Of like, you're going to be my little wife and cook and clean and she's like is that how you see a woman <laughs> um we're only here to make men happy <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so i don't know i believe i have lost my appetite no please please stay seated uh now if you will just excuse me i must go check on chewy it's my pig i need to spend time with someone civilized and then joaquin and then Manolo sings a song and like comes up and tries to kiss her and she's like, you think it was going to be that easy? You just sing a romantic song and suddenly I'm in love with you. It's not yeah. that easy. But then, but it two, is that easy. But then two, so- yeah, two scenes later, that's literally what he does. He sings another song and she does fall in love with him. And m- you're trying to have it both ways movie because you put lines in her mouth that say, I'm not the prize that you get, but she is literally the prize that Manolo gets for being virtuous. Yep. Absolutely. Like, and she is literally what the supernatural characters are betting on, is which of the two men will win the prize of the woman. Yeah. So those lines about how women don't just exist to be your prizes fall a little flat and hollow because the movie doesn't really believe it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it seemed... Uh, they kept going back and forth between like the competition between the two men because there was one scene where... Like, they're talking to each other and they're like, oh, we've got big, big shadows that we live under. Those are some big shadows we live under, huh, buddy? Huge. And they're really relating to each other as friends. They embrace. They are these, they're in this good friendship, but then like that really falls apart and doesn't continue. They, uh, cause it seems like, like, hey, here's a good friendship. Mm-hmm. here's a bit of a, like, yeah. And there was a bit of, like, a, a, what do you call it, homoerotic subtext in that as well, I felt like, between the two of them. But none of that was explored at all. No. And one of the problems that that reveals is there are too many, the plot is too convoluted and the themes are too convoluted. Mm-hmm. Because is this a movie about a love triangle where what does it take to win a woman's heart? Uh, is it a movie about wagering? Is it a movie about death? Is it a movie about living up to the expectations of your ancestors? Is yeah. it a movie about... Uh, your relationship with your parents? Because Jibalba uh, and La Muerte used to be in love and then weren't and then she falls back in love with him so this like love theme carries on the two levels of the supernatural and the natural but it Mm. is kind of hollow on both of them and the living up to the expectations of your parents theme is held in common between Manolo and uh, Joaquim but it doesn't really get fully explored by either of them And, and it is directly in conflict with the love theme and that's why sometimes they relate to each other and are friends and sometimes they're competitors and are out to get each other and yep. it is too, too complicated. Yes. Too and Oh, and like follow your heart 
become a musician, not a bullfighter. Right. You know? Yeah. And, like, the one part where he sings <clears throat> a song to the bull when he's down fighting right. them to, to win his life back, he gets his guitar and he sings a song to the bull and it destroys the bull. And that's how he wins. But why? Because, because reasons? It, because it's the he's fighting the ghosts of all the bulls his family said have ever killed. Uh-huh. And he sings a song about how I'm sorry for killing you. And the bull doesn't want to kill him anymore once he apologizes. Because the oh, conflict is okay. driven by an antagonism that he can defuse by apologizing. But that's literally the only time in the movie where that's a theme that we're talking about. Right. Is, yes. is you know, you can avoid conflict by love and forgiveness. That's another thing that for a hot second, that's what this movie is about until it isn't anymore. And just to tie it right back into where we started on this tangent about gender is heteronormativity is stifling the themes of this movie because yeah. if you weren't laboring under the uh, uh, straight jacket of heteronormativity where you have to have the one female end up with one of the two males who have been destined to love her since childhood because all female male interactions end in uh, monogamous romantic love um you could have developed any one of those other themes, but you can't have her be in the movie without her being someone's love interest and that being the major theme, because that's yep. the only kind of story that heteronormativity allows you to tell. Ugh, yeah. And we could have had them be which one of these three friends will defend the town. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because all three of them try to defend the town, and like, there's a little bit of a that La Morte and Giralba both are betting on the two boys, but the girl is really the one who saves the town, except they don't really commit to that either. Mm-hmm. I think that the, uh, in terms of gender and sexuality, this is one of the strongest examples, this right up there with uh, Hotel Transylvania, one of the strongest examples where the seriously is causing the just enjoyment fun of the movie Mm -hmm. to to suffer yeah absolutely because absolutely. it's tripping over these serious problems and it's just making the structure of the plot messy because they can't tell the story they want to tell yeah definitely it's just a bit of a mess so i mean i have no idea we've been interrupted so many times this might be short or long but i am ready to be done <laughs> do you have anything else you want to talk about I, only that I mentioned before the literal shape of the, mm. of Maria, and I just want to highlight how, like, she is literally just, like, boobs and a stick, and it's really disturbing, the shape of her and the portrayal of women in this movie in gender, in general, in gender, in general, in shape. I just, it was off-putting. All the characters are unrealistic in shape. Yes. But. But still. Still. There's a lot more variety of male shapes male than, shapes. than The nuns shapes. are all different shapes, are all mm. uh, idiosyncratic shapes. And speaking of women in the movie, I just want to quickly shout out to... When they arrive in the Land of the Dead, mm -hmm. the guy who's showing him around the Land of the Dead is like, I have been waiting for my true love to come. You know, 
I've been down here for years awaiting my beloved honey bunny. Hi, honey! Ah, too soon! And then, like, she comes and she's ugly and he's like, oh, she came too soon! Yeah. And that's a big joke. That ugly woman, by the way, is a cameo vocal performance by Gilmer Del Toro. Really? And it's a shame yeah. that he gets, he shows up to be part of a misogynist joke. Yeah, that is, yeah, and that joke really, yeah, stood out as, as particularly terrible. Particularly bad. Very much, yeah, like Hotel Transylvania, the, like, shrewish wife who, like, is horrible, who, like, why are you even married to her? Um, yeah. So, yeah, don't... I wanted to point that that out, that there is some just some really negative portrayals of, of women in this movie, mm-hmm. not just Maria. Yep. So, yeah, I... Is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's watchable. It's watchable. <laughs> like... I don't think it's bad. I don't even think it's medium, mm-hmm. but I think it's not, it's not high above the midpoint between bad and good. Like mm-hmm. it's a little above medium. Mm-hmm. It has some high points, especially in the humor. But as we started off saying the fact that I don't care about any of these characters, it doesn't ever emotionally connect me. Uh, yeah. Is really a comment on the, the goodness of it. Yeah, absolutely. Is it seriously good? Nope. No, it's not seriously good. No, there's a lot of issues with it. Seriously bad, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Say so yeah, sorry. I mean, like, maybe there's, like, yeah, it's good to have some representation it is. of anything, but unfortunately there are still a lot of problematic elements of this movie. Yeah, and someone who knows more than me Tell me whether the representation of Mexico is good. I gather it is. Yeah. But the gender issues and the sexuality issues are too much to push it up to even medium. It's on the bad side of medium. Yep. All right. So if you want to talk to us, as, as we've asked you to repeatedly, you can do that by on Twitter at WTScast. You can send us an email way too seriously cast at gmail.com uh you can also uh support us if you like what we say and do and you want to hear a little bit of extra bonus trivia about these uh episodes you can hear those on patreon patreon.com slash clockworkscast so thanks for listening and uh stay alive have a happy Dia de la November. (laughs) This is coming out in November, right? It is. Happy Dia de la November. I don't even know November in Spanish. Bye!